Hello, and welcome to Romance Isn't Dead. Only His. That's our, that, that's it. That's our title. Ray, <laughs> how you doing? Uh, not too bad. Um, wondering what I'm going to say about this book. Well, but let then me talk I'll... first, then you can tell me Go I'm wrong. It. It'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. So, uh, by the time this recording comes out, it will be the end of January, beginning of February. Is that about right? Yep, it okay. will be. All right, cool, cool. Well, uh, anything that you want to chit-chat about today or nah? Mm. No, I can't think of anything. I mean, it's still winter, nearly mm. my birthday. Another <laughs> year older. Oh, my God. I'm going to progress to crying this decade is the decade i turn 50 which is horrifying let's just not talk about that right now let's just <laughs> move on it's I know, fine but it's nearly february and i can't help thinking about that and it's horrible i know it sounds weird but i when you reach the midpoint i'm one of these people that focuses on really random things and I always try and, in the early part of the age decade, I switch the numbers around and think, oh, I, could, I might be able to pass for 34 when I was 43. And I might be able to pass for 40, uh, to, for 24 if someone's blind. Um, but now I'm getting to the point where it is, I'm going to be older when I switch the numbers around. <laughs> it's so stupid, but it's one of those weird things you do. When you're mm-hmm. trying to focus on anything but what you're focused on. Mm-hmm. I get unpleasant, it. Unpleasant conversation at work, immediately, immediately start focusing on random stuff. Right, right. And the last podcast, I was ranting about Star Wars. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was so upset by Star Wars. And I remain upset by Star Wars. Because I use Star Wars as my happy place, as my escape. And then they messed it up. So... It was no longer my happy place, and it's no longer my happy place. Instead, it's a sad place, and I don't have happy places anymore. Not in my little fictional world. So it's very sad. So I need my happy endings, and I have learned valuable lessons about that. So anyway, the uh, book today was actually, a, I would call it a classic romance. It's from actually 1991. Only His by Elizabeth Lowell. And Elizabeth Lowell is definitely um, a prolific author. And I have enjoyed her books in the past. So uh, I didn't want to... We read... This was another Western. We hadn't read a Western in a little bit. And I wanted to... The last one was a Do Not Ever Read Again. It it was painful. I wasn't going to necessarily bring that up. But... (laughs) Anyway, um, I will read you the blurb. Wasn't she another author that started out as a Harlequin writer? Probably. A lot of our favorite romance authors did start there. So Including Nora so. Roberts. Yeah. So I'm I absolutely no shade at Harlequin writers. And one of the things that, that, that Elizabeth Lowell did do at the end of the Kindle version of this book, she has an essay about the bias that romance authors face. Yeah, I read that too. And I found that powerful. And I was really glad to see it. Someone to stand up and say, stop it. I was really glad to see it. And because there is this derision for women and women's fiction that makes me a little crazy. 
Um, and that's where I am. Like it makes me a little angry and yeah. Okay. So the plot or the blurb. Escaping the ravages of the Civil War, a gently reared lady must leave behind everything she knows and trust her life and future to a dangerous gunfighter with a passion for vengeance. A team of apprised Arabian horses that is all Willow Moran has left, and Caleb Black is the only man who can help her reach her brother in the Colorado Rockies. But she fears the stranger who turns to avenge the wrongs of a treacherous man. For Caleb is as wild and unpredictable as the uncivilized land he loves. Yet, though she challenges him at every turn, the spirited southern lady knows this proud, enigmatic, enigmatic loner is her destiny. And no matter what peril awaits, they must face it together. For Willow has become a fever in Caleb's blood, awakening a need so fierce he would defeat the devil himself to possess her. So, Ray did not like this book. It is from 1991, so this book is quite old. When I picked it, I didn't even look at that. I just knew that it was readily available on Kindle, and it was not outrageously priced on Kindle. So I just kind of went for it. And Not um, only that, we actually discussed it ages ago, because I've had it on my Kindle for probably eight months, if not a little bit longer, because when we first came across, we were first talking about books... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This one was one that we both looked at and you said, oh, we might actually do that later on. So may as well get it. It was really well priced over here at the time. I think it was something like £1.99 or something. Mm-hmm. Really low priced. I know mm-hmm. it's still relatively decently priced at £2. I want to say 69 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My uh, here in the states, it is uh, also on. T- it's like three forty nine or something. It, it's not. It's not uh, extreme. Yeah, no. It's it's actually really reasonably priced. And and I, you know what? There's nothing in that blurb to me that feels like false advertising. No. Um, you, you know, immediately that Caleb is a man bent on vengeance and it's really clear that this is tearing him up, especially after he figures out, and it's about the halfway point, I want to say 52% or so where, um, he figures out that she is not what she has said she is. She has said that she's married to her brother and he knows. In some states that would be legal at the time, I'm sure. <laughs> well, but she knows, or he knows that that's not true. He knows that, that Matt, Reno, oh, okay, let me back up. Caleb yeah. wants revenge on Reno, Matt Moran, because his sister got pregnant, had a baby, and they both died, which happened a lot in the 1800s, by the way. And so when he wanted to know who's, who the father was, because he was going to go drag this guy back and make him marry her, right? Uh, because that would have been what would have been done. And uh, she lies. And she says it's Reno Matt Moran, when in fact it was not Reno at all. It was his partner, Marty something. And so not given the information he had at his disposal, he wanted revenge for his sister's death and his niece's death. 
And so he was going to go after, he was going to go after Reno and he, um, he didn't have a way to find him. He was looking everywhere for him high and low. And then he comes across this woman who is looking for Matt Moran, has a way to find him and is, um, saying that she's his wife. Well, he knows that that's not true. Um, so he, his assumption is that she is his lover, that she is Reno's lover. And of course, in the 1880s or 1860s, 70s, whenever this, it's probably 1860s, 1870s, when this is set, because it's in the wake of the Civil War, American Civil War. Um, yep. We had one too. Yeah. Okay. Well, in the wake of the American Civil War, um, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of movement in this country, people moving west because, you know, it doesn't matter. This, there's a lot of movement. So um, she is trying to find her brother, but she doesn't tell Caleb that it's her brother. She tells him it's her husband. And so he is making assumptions about her that turn out to be unwarranted, but she's sticking by this fiction that she is, um, Matt Moran's wife. And, but she, but she's sticking by those convictions because she knows that she'll be less, she'll be observed far less restrictively because she's married. Mm-hmm. Right. And then at the very end of the novel, she actually tries to leave and she says, I'll just start over as a widow. I won't be the first one and I won't be the last. You know, I'm not the first one, I won't be the last. And so anyway, all of these things having been said, um, it takes a while. And he, he, he says it to her towards the end of the book or at the end of the book. I snuck up on your blind side. I, you think you were the seduced and I absolutely seduced you. And, um, when he figures out that she is obviously not Matt Moran's lover or wife or anything like that, um, he does say, Hey, Hey, you need to, you need to back, back away from me. No, (laughs) no. Who is he to you? And she says, he's my my brother. And he's like, Oh man, no, no, you are going to hate me because he's a man who really feels like he's caught on like the forks of a dilemma, right? He feels like he needs to kill Matt for what happened to his sister, because that's what he believes. Um, and he has no evidence to the contrary for what it's worth. And, um, then he's got this woman that he's in love with and it's ironically the sister and he, but he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to leave Willow. He just, he doesn't want to hurt her. And so, yeah. Um, the novel resolves. They figure out that it's not Reno. That's the problem. They get away from the gang. They kill a lot of them. And, uh, Caleb and Willow live happily ever after. And in case you were uncertain, uh, Elizabeth Lowell writes this lovely epilogue that puts a gigantic southern size bow on top of it. Like a bow the size that I would put on my daughter's head for her newborn pictures. Very big. <laughs> so, I, I kid you not. Huge bow. Yeah, but then I do think that that harks back to the fact I did a little bit of research and she was a silhouette desire. Mm-hmm author she wrote mm-hmm. 11 books she also writes um suspense mm-hmm. romantic suspense and she writes under another name as well Anne maxwell yep 
And A.E. Maxwell, I think, too. Yeah. Yes. She's incredibly Prolific. busy. Yep. However, Prolific. she's done what a lot of romantic uh, romance authors have have done in the past. And I wonder if this, this harks back to that whole essay that she wrote at the end of the book about acceptance as a romance author. And I can't help wondering if the reason so many authors like Julie Garwood, Judith McNaught even did it, um, and there are a lot of others, Nora Roberts, moving into a slightly different genre in order to be accepted. Mm-hmm. Which is quite sad. This is, this is, make no mistake about it, this doesn't look like it. Like, the cover of it doesn't look like it, but this is a bodice ripper. Oh, yeah. This totally. is a bodice ripper. And I, yeah, you you get into later Elizabeth Lowell's once you get into the 21st century. Um, and those are almost exclusively romantic suspense. But early Elizabeth Lowell, the 1990s Elizabeth Lowell, is 100% bodice rippers. And I, you know what? I love a bodice ripper. I am not being critical at all. I'm good with it. I like a bodice ripper. Rip the bodice. So, you see, this is this is the one thing that I find quite frustrating about reading romance. I remember when I first started doing it years, and um, we're talking years and years ago, I would hide the book I was reading mm-hmm. inside a textbook, inside a newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. I would fold the cover. I was horrific to my really, really, um, my secondhand Mills and Boone, which Absolutely. is also Harlequin in the States, I'd actually fold them over so people couldn't see the cover of them. Absolutely. Because, not because I felt embarrassed, but because I felt like I'd be judged. Exactly. You felt judged. Because people do not respect women and women's fiction, and that is going to send me on a tirade that I do not need to go on on this podcast. So tell me why you didn't <laughs> like Caleb Black. I found him, I think, my. I have no issue with alpha males, seriously, when you read my choice, um, we get to my choice in a couple of weeks' time, you'll see I have zero issue with alpha males. What I did have a problem with was the fact that he was so insulting to her and at the same time trying to get into her her underwear. It just, he was an anachronism, I suppose. The trout scene just made me cringe. And there were so many points that where I wanted to physically hurt him because he had suspicions that she was his fancy woman. Then he had suspicions because he knew she wasn't his wife. Yet there were so many elements of her that that literally screamed naivety. Mm-hmm. And he continued on insulting her even when she proved herself to be pretty capable. Mm-hmm. And he treated her abysmally, yet even then she fell in love with him. And the fact that she said it first mm-hmm. made me want to bang my head against a wall because mm-hmm. all I could see was how badly he treated her. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to be honest, I literally, I started reading this after finishing a book that I struggled to review because I couldn't find one positive thing to say about it at all. Okay. Not even finding the writing good. So I think that it was partially coloured by the fact that I just so. read a really bad book. So. The writing in this is good. That I will I can say, honestly, the writing in this was good, but I didn't like Caleb at all. And I kind of wanted her to get away and start again on her own because she was incredibly strong-willed. She wasn't a a gentle blossoming Southern belle who would faint at the first sight of anything. She stood her own ground 
and I liked that. She was a strong character, and he treated her appallingly. And he thought she should be grateful. Mm-hmm. I did not read it that way. Um, not that... Okay. Okay. I do not have as many negative feelings about this as you do. And first of all, let me say this. I didn't read an, a terrible book before I restarted this book. <laughs> and I had restarted this book ages ago. And I picked up where I left off with that other read. And so I was about 40% into this book. So I am not reacting as immediately to the first front half of this book as you are. Like I'm reacting to the back half of this book and the back half of this book is where you have the turn. Yeah, exactly. Whereas the front half of the book you're seeing. And and one of the things I remember really, and, and part of this is, I live in horse country. I live in horse country. There are horses mm-hmm. everywhere. And I am livid with her as a heroine because she acts selfishly with regards to her horses. Like, she hires a mountain guide who says, you do not need to bring these horses with you. And she does it anyway. Right? Mm-hmm. And she puts them at serious risk. And so... I, I, part of this is my concern for the horses, right? I'm like, (laughs) are you serious? So yes, he is, he is this brutal, difficult kind of man. And he does treat her really, you're, you're right. But a lot of times some of the stuff he's trying to do is actually for, from his perspective and really even eventually hers for the better, like trying to get her to change clothes. Right. Oh yeah, I've got. See, I have no issue with any of that. It's the yeah. fact that he calls her a fancy lady. Yeah, refers to, and it's the insinuation. And I, she when I was reading, I could. She doesn't. She doesn't ever. She doesn't. Okay, so this is where the push pull comes in, right? Because he shouldn't. He shouldn't judge her that way. But in 1870, a man would. Right. In 1870, yeah. that is the prevailing morality. A man absolutely would be that way. And so, I, I, for whatever reason, th- to, for me, this book was well-written enough that when I read it, I could go back to, okay, this is a man from 1870. He is not going to fit in in 2019 or 2020, but in 1870, this is who he would be. And, and Ray, you yourself have have valued that that oh yeah definitely that, that and so i'm not saying he's not a jerk because he clearly is oh yeah but again i'm reacting more to the back half of the book where they come across to me much more as equals um you see that that's the and, thing it was the fact that she is a strong character she's portrayed as such she is strong-willed independent she is um she is actually able to cope with the hard terrain she knows her own mind and he admires her for that but she almost cowers under his insults is it because she knows she's lying well yeah but at the same she knows she's lying so when he calls her a um five letter word for easy woman um she doesn't say anything she doesn't say, well, no, we're married. 
mm-hmm. or anything else. She doesn't defend herself. And that frustrated me mm-hmm. because it was almost as though it gave him the upper hand. Mm-hmm. And it just felt really wrong. There were yeah. also a few other things in there that I found quite weird, like Levi's. They, they mentioned Levi's several times. And because I wasn't clear on the actual timeline, all I could think was, were Levi's around yeah, then? So were. easily available? Yeah. I know that they didn't come out until like 1868 or something. Yeah, They started they to be available. Yeah. But he called them Levi's without the uppercase L. Instead right. of calling them jeans. Right, but he probably would have called them that. Kind of like people call aluminum foil Reynolds wrap. They do what? Okay, you're a Brit. Um, yes. <laughs> Kleenex. Tissue paper? Yeah. They call it Tissues. Kleenex? Okay, people don't do that there. Um, we don't Saran even wrap. Kleenex. Yeah, that's cling film. <laughs> okay, in the States, people often, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to have the capital L. But yeah, they would have, they absolutely would have worn denim. That would have been. Yes. See, I have thought they'd have said denim or jeans rather than actually specifically naming a brand. But that was the only Especially brand of them. That was the only brand. See, I wasn't so clear on the dates or anything else. I wasn't sure if I'd missed it when I was reading the opening parts of the book. I just knew that it was after the Civil War. Okay. That's all I knew. The American and as it's Civil not my War. history, yeah. it's, it's a bit more, I think it's, this Murky. is definitely, if you're a, a history nut and love romance, then the American side of this would be more complicated for you if you're English, I think. We don't really, we don't, well, I didn't learn about the American Civil War at school. We'd already, America had already gone bye-bye by that point. So, yeah, of course. Now, I'm trying to think if, I mean, my, my knowledge of the American Civil War is inbred in my bones. So, I cannot divorce my knowledge of the American Civil War and what happened in the wake of the American Civil War from this book so i don't does that make sense like i can't yeah, look oh, at totally. it from your, from your point of view there uh but i can imagine that if i was reading a romance novel set post english civil war that i would be quite confused on some of it but i'm not sure you actually need that for this book there were certain elements of it that i found confusing because there was the whole thing or oh, she's not north or south yes she is in the that, middle that kind of thing as far as well, what had happened That's was, confusing. well, what had happened was West Virginia seceded from Virginia to not secede from the Union. So they had a lot of the hallmarks of a Southern state because they had been Virginia until they seceded from Virginia. But the West Virginia are, they're largely hills, Appalachia. And Mm -hmm. um, they didn't have a whole lot in common with the eastern seaboard interests, um, with the the stereotypical southern power structure. And uh, so you had fewer slaves, you had fewer um, large farms and things like this, um, specifically plantations and all that jazz. And it's a misnomer or a misconception to think that 
all white people in the South owned plantations uh, prior to the American Civil War because that is simply not true. Uh, the vast majority of white Southerners were small farmers, and it sounds like um, Willow's family owned a series of, of uh, decent-sized farms, and I can't speak to whether or not they were slaveholders or not, but um, it it's definitely something that people in West Virginia would have faced. Uh, sort of the, the bias coming from both sides, because the North views West Virginia with suspicion and then the south of course views it as traitorous and so the people see that that was the point that confused me because that was mentioned a few times and it was mentioned as the way that her character built and everything else and i was sitting there thinking i'm gonna need to look all this up because it detached me a little bit when i didn't understand it your your podcast partner is an american historian you could have just asked me (laughs) just throwing that out there letting you think about you know what I do for a living (laughs) (laughs) but you can see what I'm uh, that's the thing not everybody is going to have that resource they're going to be they are going to be sitting there going Mm -hmm. if they're anything like me when I come to when I read something if I come across something I don't understand or I've got questions about the first thing I do is go to google encyclopedia Mm. to try and find things right well you know I I get it I, I do get that um but, um, and I can see where that would be confusing, I guess, but for me it wasn't because I just can't, there's nothing there that, like, I can't take away my understanding and knowledge. That's all I'm saying. No, that, that's exactly it. See, that that is the, it's kind of like reading something about something you know about as an individual mm-hmm. and you have a good knowledge of. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, it's like reading something where someone comments on a specific author and you sit there thinking oh my god really um Mm. and trying to detach your own knowledge from it Mm -hmm. or attach your knowledge to it and if you're reading something that contains elements that you're unfamiliar with that is because this isn't fantasy Mm -hmm. it's based in a time that really occurred Mm -hmm. so there is going to be that element of oh i didn't know about that what is that about how come that happened Mm-hmm. if you are that way inclined as I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. So, Ray, you would definitely not recommend this book because Caleb is a jerk. Yeah, no, it's, that's the thing. I mean, I think that everybody has their... There are certain characteristics that they are going to find attractive in mm-hmm. a dominating alpha, and he is definitely an alpha, oh, but yeah. I didn't... Oh, but yeah. I... I couldn't eliminate from my head the way he acted in the first half of the book, mm-hmm. even though in the second half he does turn things do turn around. He is far more gentle with her. He knows that she's not what he believed her to be, and they end up getting together. However, there is always going to for I felt really awful for Willow when her brother's saying, all right, we're going to go out in the morning and you're going to get married because you've defiled my daughter and my sister. Mm -hmm. And it's now she knows this whole, his suspicion thing. She's seeing it as he seduced her because he wanted vengeance. Mm -hmm. It was an, it really what, because he is, she even calls him old Testament. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and he acknowledges or he, 
he gets to the point where he's like, no, that's not why, that's not what happened, that's not, you know what I mean? But he, I actually highlighted a section in this book. Um, so did I, but my Kindle's charging in the kitchen. Oh. Uh, <laughs> let me see. Okay, so this is 52% in, um, and he, he, his internal thought process, she's far too good for a man like, uh, for a rounder like Matthew Moran. No sooner had the thought come than it, it crystallized into a vow within the silence of Caleb's mind. Willow's capacity for courage and loyalty and passion deserved better than a man who seduced and abandoned young girls. At the very least, Willow's deep sensuality deserved better than a man who left her alone for so long she forgot how to kiss. But that but not how to respond. She hadn't forgotten that. Um, no woman who loved another man could respond like that. So quick, so deep. She'll be mine before he sees her fancy man again. I'll seduce Willow so completely that when he's dead, she'll turn to me instead of mourning a fancy man who isn't worth a single one of her tears. She can't love him. She simply can't. Um, Caleb bent and caught Willow's mouth beneath his own sealing the silent vow the kiss was unlike any he'd ever given a woman tender and yet so deeply passionate he felt as though he was sinking into willow seeping from her very soul uh when he finally lifted his head once more she was trembling um yeah so it's like that for me when i read that was sort of the moment in his head that it wasn't about it, it became for him about willow like he he wanted her um but you know what you're right at no point does he seem to be willing to give up this notion that he needs to kill matthew moran and that's very old testament yeah you're absolutely right. it was yeah but then as i said they constantly he said he says and in fact i think it's mentioned several times he's called old testament mm -hmm. he even says oh it's an eye for an eye Mm -hmm. So he hasn't either he hasn't read the New Testament with the turn the other cheek or um, he felt that that was not the adage he wanted to live by. Mm -hmm. I Well, and to be fair, <laughs> the Old West was not a place where you turn the other cheek. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good way to get dead. Um, and. The Old West was lawless in, in, a, in ways that are very difficult to explain, especially on a quick podcast like this. Um, <laughs> so let's not get too deep into that. But um, again, Caleb is definitely a romanticized version of a very alpha male, but um, and he is deeply Old Testament, but I think... I think I'm kinder to him, one, because I think I didn't read it on the heels of an extraordinarily bad book. Um, and I... You didn't I, read it all in one go, either. I didn't read it all in one go. And so I'm really leaning into... Like, I think I picked it up at, like, 42% or something like that. So I'm really leaning into the second half of this book, whereas you still had a bad taste from that other book in that first half. And he just... And he is. He's, and he's even a jerk some in the second half too so i mean mm. i totally get your point i'm not saying you're wrong i'm just saying my my view of him is a little bit less harsh. a little less harsh yeah 
And, and I, he's and not I, the sort of guy I, I that's the problem I think every girl likes a bad boy at some well, he's point not in bad, their life though. he's not bad that's the thing like he's no when I say he's not bad like I guess I'm thinking like motorcycle outlaw which doesn't exist at this point but he's not an outlaw he's not an outlaw that's what I'm saying but he's earned his, re- his reputation as a gunfighter Okay, now we're going to be digging into Western stereotypes and tropes. So please don't make me do it. Please don't make me do it because I'm going to have to talk about gunfighters and lawless. And, and oh, please don't make me do it. Please don't make me do it. No, 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 no. Don't make me. I don't want to. I don't want to. No. Don't make me do it. But there are several points in the book where their fr- his friend Wolf, in fact, he's mm-hmm. both Matt's and his friend, says, you're both going to end up dead. Mm-hmm. If they fight each other because they're of equal mm-hmm. skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But he's not telling Wolf why he wants to kill Matt Moran. Matt Moran's like, I don't know why he wants to kill me. And uh, because he wouldn't, right? He's not going to share his sister's shame. Right? And and we can look at that and go, but oh he, my God, how but stupid. He does, but he does share his sister's shame with Matt, even after Matt says, well, that definitely wasn't me. Right. But he shares it because he's, ex- never mind, he's explaining it. But anyway, he's explaining it then. But he is, and, and this maybe is Elizabeth Lowell trying to show growth in that character, right? Yeah. And maybe she could have done it better. But he does become a better man by the end of this book. And he becomes a better man by the end of this book because of the love of Willow. Like, she's yeah. not she's not trying to change him, but her love just unleashes the better man within. And that might be Lowell trying to do that. I'm just yeah, throwing probably. that out there. I'm just throwing that out there. It's a female power fantasy. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I wouldn't dispute that. So, yeah. All right, well, we've been talking for 34 minutes. Wow. So we should probably call it a night, or a day, rather. So uh, any any uh, last-minute thoughts on this? This is the first in a series. Mm-hmm. I have it's read not... the rest of the series, by the way. Yes. You have? I have. Who, I'm, I'm confused as to who it can follow. I'm guessing it follows her brothers, but f- I have no it idea. It follows Matt. It follows Wolf Lone Tree. It follows her other brother, Whip. And then it goes into um, some other people who are uh, being attacked by the Culpepper gang. And I don't remember who they are, but the titles change in yeah according to this there's only his mm-hmm. well i'm looking at the historical romance stuff mm-hmm. and books in the only series mm-hmm. are only his only mine only you and only love mm-hmm. all of which were reissued in 2003 mm-hmm. and i read them i want to say i read these books in 1997 so yeah, but I am not a big fan of westerns. Um, I'm just not. Never have been, and never will be. And I think these stuck in my head because they were decent westerns for me. I, I don't like westerns, given because they were. Is this because they were more 
factually written? Um, mostly focused? because of the mostly. I, it's not a time period or place in U.S. history that I love a lot. One and two, there's a lot of racism in them, whether it's intentional and, or not. Yeah, yeah, and I don't love that um, because what Americans did to the Native Americans is so shockingly horrifying that I have a really hard time moving around that in my head to get to the plot. So, yeah, to get to so, so you do read a book in the same way as I do in that you can't help focusing on certain elements that are going on around the story. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, yes. And, and I am of a mindset that the way that America has treated Native Americans is so bad that I have a real hard time getting over it. Um, to, but this to is not a political. Language. But this isn't a political broadcast. No, 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 no it's not. <laughs> but it's not. It's not. But I really have a hard time with it. So, yeah, and it's historic. So I wasn't really thinking of that in a historic in, in a political sense. But anyway, let's. Yeah, it's it's a thing for me. That's all. You can't divorce who so, you are from what you read. No, of course you can't. And. As far as chili ratings go? Most of the stuff is in the back half of the book, right? It um, is. I'd probably go six, seven-ish, seven-ish. There are weird references to trout fishing. Yes. <laughs> I kept on reading reviews on Goodreads and they were mentioning trout fishing and how they could never look at it the same. And this was before I'd got to that part of the book. Uh-huh. And all I could think was, huh? Yeah. Now I get it. However, I still sort of think, huh? <laughs> it's it's an odd uh, it's an odd choice. Conceit, yeah, an odd choice. Yeah, it's an odd choice. So I I, I go six seven. I don't, where do you thinking? I'm thinking maybe six, mostly because of my discomfort with trouts. The t- <laughs> Oh, so 6.5 yeah 6.5 we're settling 6.5 for our chili pepper rating in other words don't let your 13 year old read this book oh god no <laughs> don't and let that- your 13 year old read this book okay <laughs> what are we reading next right we are reading uh, in commemoration of joanna Lindsay, who was like the epitome of bodice ripper authors we are reading Gentle Rogue, which is the first of her Mallory eponymous series. Mallory series. It's actually one of my favorites in the series. Okay. And which which Mallory hero is this? Which which version of Fabio is this? This is um, the oldest brother, and I can never remember his name. And I can't find the book it's on my fine. shelf right at the moment. But it's not Anthony. <laughs> I like Anthony. I like Anthony. It's I. Anthony so is my I. favorite, I think. But okay, Gentle Rogue it is. Yes, All right, y'all. Is. Where can people find you? Uh, people can find me at All About Ray on Twitter and All About Ray on Goodreads and All About Ray dot WordPress dot com. So <laughs> everything's All About Ray. I've 
this year I decided to make everything incredibly cohesive because it started getting very confusing, not only for everyone else, but also for me when I was trying to remember passwords. <laughs> Fair enough. And what if, about you? If you want to find me, you can look me up on Twitter and on Instagram as Palmetta Blue. And be prepared for lots of Star Wars talk and or fiber crafting talk, depending on which platform you are looking at. Um, you can find our podcast at ISN Romance on Twitter. And obviously, you can also email the pod if you need to talk to us. Yes. Yeah. And that is romancenotdeceased at gmail.com. We're also, on, we're also on Facebook at ISN Romance. And we are romancenotdead.wordpress.com we are going to start updating that blog again very very soon and i'm trying to think if there's anywhere else oh yes of course and the podcast itself (laughs) 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 romancenotdead.podbean.com wonderful wonderful all right y'all well ray how would you like to sign out um keep on searching for your happily ever after and i would remind you that romance isn't dead even in the Wild West. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.